Hello, I'm Linda Seif from The Layered Onion. Thank you for joining us. We will be listening to our amazing creators talk about their art and mental health. 48 million artists all over the world share this lived experience. The Layered Onion was formed to create a supportive community, allowing the creators to focus on their art, bringing their work from the shadows to receive the recognition and opportunities they deserve. Each podcast will feature an artist who talks about their creations and mental wellness. Art is healing. We hope these discussions will inspire you to appreciate the stories behind the creations and more importantly, inspire your inner creator. Together, we can tackle the stigma surrounding mental health. I am Devin McKnight, and I am speaking to you from Climax, North Carolina. Climax? Where's Climax? (laughs) So it's like a small... I guess we're a town. We don't really have anything here, you know, besides a gas station and a Dollar General. But we're south of Greensboro, North Carolina, which people might know more. Kind of the central part of North Carolina. Oh, okay. The central part. All right. So are you near, um, like, mountains? and? No. So the mountains are towards the west. So I'm about... I guess it gets hilly in about an hour. <laughs> ah. And then, we, then we, we hit mountains in like two hours and change. All right. So you can see I've not driven through North Carolina. The Appalachians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe you could tell us about what kind of art um, you create. Oh, yeah. Big question. Um, So I usually, when asked that, I usually say abstract work, Um, but that's pretty broad. Uh, So if I filtered that down a little bit, um, I would call myself a painter. Like I I just love painting and pretty much with um, all types of paint media. So... You know, I've done oil painting when I was in um, undergrad, but that's pretty toxic, so I tried to move away from that. Um, And then a little bit after grad school, I got really into watercolors uh, on paper. I've done collaging type stuff uh, with painted paper, and I'm currently working with... um, I guess in a general way, you could call it, you know, acrylics on wood panels, but they're actually pure pigments that are suspended in um, liquid. So the the color is uh, like hyper vibrant and they're um, they're made by, uh, I I think... Now I'm going to struggle with figuring out how to describe how they're made, but there's like this one place in New York that makes these specific paints um, from the pigment. And I don't know how they source their materials. I should know that. But so, so that is something that's really, really noticeable in your work is the ap- 
the vibrance of mm-hmm. the color. So I I kind of thought it was acrylic, but you're saying it's not exactly acrylic. Right. So acrylic is, um, you know, like if you go to the art store and buy acrylic paint, that's basically pigment, but it's mixed with a binder. And a binder is what basically makes it so the pigment doesn't disappear. Um, and it's really plasticky, you know, whatever. I wish I knew exactly what that is that they mix with the pigment that makes it kind of have that plastic look. Um, but I don't. So it's it's a bit similar. I just use my own mediums or binders. Um, so I use like a urethane or a silica matte binder that I mix with this liquid pure pigment. Does that so make sense? So how did you find this pigment paint that um, you're using? Artist friends. So I have an artist, uh, a painter who is a mentor of mine. She was a, um, a professor of mine in graduate school, and we just clicked. And uh, we're always talking about materials. And she shows artists at a gallery in um, California. And one of the artists <laughs> was using this pigment. And she was like, where did you get this? And they said, it's called Gera Paints. G-U-E-R-R-A. Um, so yeah, friend of a friend, artist talk. I think it's really interesting and in that, so for folks, I'm going to have you repeat it because there might be some artists out there that that would look at your work and wonder about this. So it's Gera? Yes, G-U-E-R-R-A, paints. Paints. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So they have a, well, they have a great Instagram um, that actually shows them like painting with the, with the different paints and the different um, binders that they use. And then actually like pouring the paint out of these big mixer bins. That's just, if you love paint and color, that kind of just watch that when I want to de-stress sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good one. So, you know, interestingly enough, I recently just was looking at the difference between tempera paint and uh, acrylic and that the binder is eggs in tempera. Did you know that? Yeah. I think like the original, um, they use it for like murals or like painting, like back in the day, you know, when they would like paint on walls, uh, they would use egg as the binder to bind the, I think tempera is more chalky. Yeah, which is, definitely. You know, like the pigment is basically powder. Um, so that's what they would use to secure it. So I have wondered if they did that because we all used tempera as kids. And uh-huh. they were afraid we were going to put it in our mouth. <laughs> and no, it would be I'm less. What? Now I'm wondering that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking, wow, maybe they thought it would be less toxic. So Yeah, and it molds quickly. You know, like um, the gallery I work at, we have these big jars of it in our storage closet because we work with kids. And it like will kind of quickly start to stink because it's molded. Ah, 
Yeah. But other acrylic paint that I have, like that stuff lasts for years and years. <laughs> like it'll never die. <laughs> so one of the things that I am really struck by your work is the prominence of each breath brush stroke. Mm-hmm. And you can be really drawn in as you're looking at the detail and can can see the power of the brush strokes. Can you kind of talk about your style? Yeah. Um, I think that's something new that is happening with the the pigment work on panel uh, that I've just been working on in the past three years. Um, so before that I was doing watercolor and, you know, with watercolors, you don't really see stroke. It's kind of like a pooling of the water <laughs> that has color in it. Um, so I guess with this, I was really into, like, I love Mark. I love Mark making, um, I love process. Like that's pretty much what I'm most driven by and interested in in my work and in others like if I go to look at other paintings I'm really looking to see their their marks and their brushstroke because I want to see how it's made I'm really curious about that um so I I think with this recent work I've kind of become infatuated with seeing those marks laid down um, and experimenting with, you know, what if I turn the brush this way or what kind of mark will this brush make? Or what if I drag it like this? Or, um, what if I layer these up and you can kind of see old marks underneath newer marks, um, and then covering some of the marks up with new marks, (laughs) Well, I think a a piece that really exhibited this, at least for me, and I'm unsure of the title, but it's um, a piece that you did in 2022, and it has lots of variations of green. What Mm -hmm. is the title of that piece? So I don't title any of my okay (laughs) any of my work unless it's about to like be shown somewhere, Um, and I feel like I need to, and then I usually title it kind of just based on what you're seeing, like, um, like lots of green marks, you know, I would title it or yellow covering green marks kind of. Okay. So we'll call this yellow covering green marks. (laughs) 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 And, you know, I'm just so drawn to, to, um, this kind of color, especially uh, yellow green mix, which you know I refer to as chartreuse, and everybody's sick of me talking about my <laughs> my <laughs> love of chartreuse. But anyway, um, I just really so did you start with the darkest color and then layer up, or did you just kind of decide as you were going? I, I would just really love for you to describe process that you you used when you did this piece okay um well first do you want me to describe the painting for people who can't see it that would be spiffy (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that's like Midwestern <laughs> talk <Yeah>. there. <laughs> um, okay, so it's a it's a vertical hanging piece, so like a rectangle, um, and we see these. Uh, I would call them white roundish marks that kind of are listed in rows going across the piece from top to bottom. Um, and at the top, there's some, um, I, I call it green, green. Cause it's like, if you think of the color green, that's probably the color that this is. And that's kind of like taking up, uh, the top third and you'll see these like white marks kind of poking through, um, and then below that, it starts to be, things are kind of covered with a yellow, but you're still seeing the white marks kind of poking through. Um, and rows kind of emerge. So yeah, and then there's maybe like a general background that you can see underneath, like an underlying sort of um, washed out green color. Um, so... With this work, uh, I'm working on wooden panels, and a lot of them have a bunch of layers on them. So it's usually where I've, you know, put a wash down of a color and tried to start creating, you know, a, a, a painting of some sort or making marks, and I don't like it, and I cover pieces up, and then I don't like that, and I cover up more. Uh, or I want to add another color. So that's just kind of stacked. Um, so I would guess, and I have to guess because I cannot remember <laughs> how they came about because I'm often working on, you know, one to ten at once. Um, but I would guess that there's like a underneath it all, there's a layer of a washy green. And then I probably got a white and started making these marks in rows all the way across and down the painting. And then I was probably like, oh, that's too stark. You know, the white is too much. So let me go in and see how I can uh, maybe push it back some. And I probably came in with some yellow um, on top of that white. And it was probably a washy yellow. So the background colors are still coming through, shown through. And then the green green that I was referring to, that's actually chalk. Um, oh. So I, that's probably the last um, effort and I came in with some chalk to kind of probably cover up or see what it would look like and color around some stuff. That's so, interesting yeah. because you almost feel like that would have been first. So there's there's a couple things. First, so is this, where do you find the wood? Is this just recycled wood? Um, I originally started with buying like wood panels at, you know, an art supply store, but um, I didn't really like how clean they looked. They're pretty manufactured. Uh, and then my father, I live with my parents and my dad is retired. 
um, and has been doing some like casual woodworking. And I was like, hey, (laughs) do you think we could make some panels? So then I could choose exactly what sizes I wanted and thickness I wanted. Um, So we just got what he calls Luan, which is kind of like a cheap plywood. It's like the cheapest kind of wood you can get, and it's pretty thin. Um, And that's what is the surface. And then he frames them on the back with whatever leftover wood we have. Like some of it is um, leftover flooring from our wood floor. And some of it is um, just leftover wood that he has in the garage that he trims down. So he makes those. This piece the first time, of course, I was just drawn to all the variation of green. But the more I looked at it, it almost felt like to me, I was looking down on fields uh, from a satellite or from above, like, and that, that the depth, especially where you did the chalk, that it almost felt like clouds were going over and that below was some kind of field of alfalfa or something else. And maybe I'm showing my Midwest girl again, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I just, I just really, that. And that's, I guess, what I really love about your art is that you can look at it one time and then another time see something different. And so when you think about um, your piece or pieces that you do, what do you hope you leave with the viewer? Yeah, that's, uh, it's deep. Um, <laughs> well, it's a, the story you just told kind of sent my mind on a, a journey because I was just asked this question um, earlier in the week to kind of talk about the space in my paintings. And I was really struggling to do that, but I kind of like ended up landing on um, maybe a feeling of landscape, but they're not landscapes. But I think the colors that I often use or the way that I do it, a lot of people will refer to landscapes. But I've never been to the Midwest, you know. So and I don't know that I remember flying over fields that you're talking about. But I think that the essence of what you are getting at, like the layering of, you know, a cloud shadow over a space. Um, you know, we could tie that into maybe a deeper meaning of feelings <laughs> within <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I well, think it's, it's sort of mystical, right? Yeah. And that's what I hope for because that's kind of what I, I, I work towards when I'm making. You know, I try to get to this space where there's no barriers around what can come through. Um, and so it's like deep down stuff that maybe I'm not aware of, but has entered into me by way of a million different things, hopefully can, you know, funnel out. Um, and I think then into the viewer. So it gives an openness for the viewer to kind of enter how they see fit. Um, and I think color can become a language that uh, 
can say things that we don't have words for. You know, it can it can speak to or give space for all the nuances that it would just take too long to kind of <laughs> talk through. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not a poet. I think poetry often does that. But even with poetry, you know, you can dig through three words on a page for a while, you know, with meaning. Um, so I guess, like, to get back to your question of what I hope the viewer comes away with is um, they're given space to feel and maybe like feel things unexpected that they weren't aware of or hadn't tapped into, maybe enter into conversation with themselves or with a partner that they witness it with uh, and kind of with me in a way, you know? So I think for a lot of folks, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I do think some people struggle with abstract art because they just don't know how to approach it. So if you were talking to someone that, you know, was just a newcomer to abstract or they haven't really connected with it, what kind of advice would you give? Uh, ask questions. I, I think that's a, for me, that's what I'm doing. Um when I'm thinking about the work and making it is I'm just wondering, you know, like, you know, what, what happens if I do this? Or, uh, what if I put this here? What does that feel like? Um, what does it look like when I do this? Or I wonder why I wanted to do this thing. So a person looking at an abstract work, you know, maybe if they're feeling confused, I think asking questions about things like, huh, I wonder like, or I really like that green. Why do I like that green? I wonder why it's up there. Like, what does it make me feel? Or what am I reminded of? Or what am I feeling in my body? Um, and I think that's the my favorite part of abstract work is I'm not being told. I really don't like being told <laughs> what, what to do or think or feel. And so I feel I think a lot of abstract work gives this um, open space that you can bring your own thing to it. You know, like. Most folks see things in my paintings and it's not there for me. You know, like I don't paint birds or fields or trees or anything like that. But people will bring that to it and that's fine. They can imagine whatever they like, whatever comes up for them. So have you always um, painted more from an abstract perspective? Um, yes. I think when I was in high school, um, you know, I took art classes and abstraction wasn't really a thing that they spoke about. So we were drawing boots and stuff like that. But those were like lessons I was given. Um, 
So I, I think anything I've done on my own, yes, because I, I, I cannot draw. <laughs> I can't like I, I can work really hard at it, and I know like I've been taught how to draw bodies and still lifes and things, and I've actually been a professor where I've taught those things. <laughs> but it's it's so difficult for me, um, and I actually break things apart, you know. So it's like if I'm drawing a human or a, a body. I don't think I'm drawing a body. I start looking at the individual lines or shapes within that or shadows or colors. Um, so I think it's just how how I move through the world or think through things. So I've always tended to like abstract because I've not been a person who can color in the lines. Yeah. <laughs> My whole life, I'm always outside the line, <laughs> and, yeah. and maybe maybe that's that's um, some of my my I don't know what you bring to things, right? Yeah, it just feels constraining. Like I can do it, but I feel constrained and structured, and that's not you know what I want from art. So well, I appreciate that. So good. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you're coming from my my world. Yeah. So I have a favorite question to ask, and maybe this will this will show your same feeling. Um, I love to ask uh, the the folks on the podcast what their favorite comfort book or movie or show or something that gives them. So it's the go to when you're sort of feeling out of sorts or you're having a bad time. Uh, so I just. What is yours? <laughs> Wondering if it's outside the lines, Devin. <laughs> it depends on what lines. Uh, and I feel a bit embarrassed. Don't feel that, embarrassed. Don't. Because, <laughs> you know, like, shows these days don't age well. You know, right, like, right. all the stuff we know now, maybe it, yeah. So, uh I grew up with Seinfeld, and so that's one that it's I like can quote it all the time. I quote it with my brothers, you know, things like that. But more recently, uh, when Betty White died, and everybody was talking about Golden Girls, I had never watched it, and so I started. I picked that up in the past year or so, uh, and now that's my go-to. It's like my comfort. I just want to live with some other disabled or older folks that know exactly where all the medicines are uh, in in a lovely home with a I lanai. Think I think that the comedy on that ages well. It's the, it's the fashion. I like the fashion, though. <laughs> the, the big shoulder pants, you know, my rule is if you've worn it, once during the original time, you can't wear it again. <laughs> so I lived through the 80s, the big shoulder pads, so I can't do it again. <laughs> and I think like my mother wore those things. So I it's like a comfort <laughs> to see it. Like, oh, nostalgia. And like the big gold necklaces and the sequins and the the hair. The hair. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So well, I I I think that's a, 
a lovely one. And, you know, I, I kind of chuckle about that because I never grew up um, reading any fantasy. And I've really found that I really like fantasy to read fantasy and have a couple go to, but I think it's, it's simply because it's not reality. So it's not within the lines, but it's, it just is interesting. I, I've absolutely loved asking folks what their, their go-to is. So thank well, you. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was thinking about books and comfort books and I was like, oh, I need, I don't have any comfort books. Like I read a lot, but I don't say that they, I don't think they comfort me very much. <laughs> and I've been reading uh, sci-fi lately for the first time, like Octavia Butler books, but I realized how much it messes me up in in the way that it's hard for me to come back to reality, like to come out of those novels like when you're in them you're so consumed in that world and then I don't know how to interact with <laughs> the, the actual world well I've been know, with these aliens just, yeah the story is going on you, you're taking it to new places you know <laughs> until until fantasy books I literally never understood fan fiction but now I get it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> We're I'm sure. like now I'm creating some whole new worlds <laughs> right <laughs> based off of this one yeah and you don't feel like you know it has to be based in reality so it's better yet right yeah yes so I would like to ask you how did you find this community the layered onion you know artists that have you know mental or emotional health challenges how'd you find us um interesting way, an interesting way. So I work um, for an art gallery, like I was saying before, and it's a community art gallery. Um, and I'm often, I also run our social media and I'm reposting um, artists we work with and things like that. And one of the artists had posted about the Layered Onion and so I reposted it because I was like, this is a great thing. This sounds awesome. You know, our community should know about this. Uh, and then you all reached out to me through the DMs like, hey, <laughs> can we meet to like talk about how we could collaborate? And that was Lily. And when we had a conversation, uh, she realized that I was an artist and then that blossomed. So it was one of those like, um, like a blooming, I want to say a blooming onion. <laughs> a layered onion. <laughs> yeah. was like, well, I, I just love the image of the layered onion. And actually, it, 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 some of your works, if I looked through them, I bet you I would find one that could be the inside as the onions being peeled. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. So what has been, though, for you, the most valuable part about being in this community? I think it's difficult to pick the most <laughs> because it's uh, so, now I'm going to be cliche, but it's so layered. <laughs> I can't get away from it. Um, 
but I would say like I think meeting the other the other artists um I think we're all so different in the way that we're making work and advocating for things and um working through our issues like that's just been I I have not had that privilege before to be around so many um artists in this way that have a common understanding of certain disabilities and it's like a like the realest comfort blanket because you know at every other situation someone living with anxiety and depression it's just so difficult to enter into meeting new people or having meetings or putting yourself out there and this community like that that anxiety is washed away because I know that everyone understands <laughs> like how we show up if we have to lay down to have a call or if we miss a meeting or mess up on our time zones. <laughs> right. <laughs> like no one is angry at anybody and we get it. And I, I just think that that is so supportive. Um, and I, I don't know anything else that exists like it. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, I, you know, I just find that the community has been so powerful. Mm -hmm. So do you have any last words of wisdom that you want to share with artists that, you know, face similar challenges? Hmm. I'm like I don't I don't feel like I don't have um enough <laughs> I haven't lived long enough to give wisdom <laughs> to anybody <laughs> but uh I guess um something that comes to mind a lot for me that I've struggled with for a long time because I've been physically disabled for most of my life. And I think just with that inherently comes anxiety and depression because of all the stuff that we deal with and grief. Um, and for a very long time, I was completely isolated. You know, like I was the only one that I knew like me and I didn't even know what like me meant. So I had no one to talk with. Um, and then I slowly started, I think I heard a story on NPR about invisible disabilities. And I just started Googling. And then I started finding um, more folks talking about that. But I was really hesitant to kind of join a community. Um, and I'm not really sure why, apart from like internalized ableism. But I guess my advice would be, like, find your people. Um, and I, I guess take that step. You know, like, I, it took me a really long time to uh, join the Facebook group with my disease because I was just like, ugh, Facebook groups are weird. But then I did it, and I was like, oh, my God, the knowledge that is present here is amazing and I can enter into it however I like. 
Um, so it took me a long time to do that, but I, I guess that would be some wisdom, you know, I don't know if that's wisdom. Well, it is wisdom because, you know, it takes a lot of courage to take the first step, especially if um, you have anxiety or you're an introvert or you're both. And um, yeah, so that is wisdom is just, and just because you dip your toe in your water, in the water, doesn't mean you have to dive full dive in, right? Yeah, I think I stalked a lot before I actually like partook. So, and stalking in a positive way. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, okay, let me just like look and see and read what these people are talking about before I, you know, actually ask a question or present something. Um, So, yeah, and taking your time, you know, like you're on your own time. No pressure. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lovely way to end is to remind everybody, no pressure. Thank you for joining us today. It is an honor to talk with these amazing creators. You can see and read the artist's work in The Shallot, our journal of mental health, art, and literature, or on our website, thelayeredonion.com. Thank you. A little more.